Hey there. Thanks for joining me on Comedy Masterclass, where I interview creators about the craft of writing comedy. Today, I am very lucky to have Juliet and Keith Julio with me. I know them from their super funny book, The Summer of Christmas, which I actually read out loud to my husband while we were driving around in the car and both of us loved it. It was so much fun. And also from Keith's book, Writing the Comedy Blockbuster. Uh, we'll dive into both of those shortly. But before we do, Keith and Juliet, is there anything else that people should know about you and your connections to creating comedy? Oh, wow. Uh, we well, we <laughs> love to write movies. And yeah. We've written a lot of comedies, most recently a lot of Christmas movies, which are very funny because Christmas is a funny time of year. Yeah, but if you want to make people laugh, tell them you're writing with your spouse. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and, uh, remember, it was usually a long pause. I remember and I laugh. said that to somebody, and someone says, "You know, O.J. Simpson is working on a screenplay with his wife." <laughs> wow! <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, not too soon. And I am going to ask you all about the co-writing um, process. It's super fascinating to me. But just so people can get a little bit of a sense of your work, I'd love to know for the summer of Christmas your novel, which I read and thoroughly enjoyed. How did you um, kind of clarify that central concept? I know people often ask, where do you get your ideas from? But for me, it just struck me that it was such a strong concept. There was so much play in it that I thought, oh, my goodness, like if I saw that concept, I would want to write it, uh, even mm-hmm. though rom-coms are not my genre. So how, what, kind of, what was your process like to make that central concept so strong? And maybe you could tell us a little bit about the concept as well for those who haven't read it. Prior to writing The Summer of Christmas, which, by the way, was our debut novel, but prior to writing that, we had written four Christmas movies. Right. And so whenever we have a Christmas movie in production, we always go to the set. So the first time we went up to a set, it was in the middle of summer, and it was in Connecticut. And we're walking around. We've got a report of a set the next day. We're just walking around Mystic, Connecticut, and suddenly we're in this little village. And why is there snow on the ground? And then we start following the snow. <laughs> and we saw these big sheets of cotton rolled out. Yeah. And we saw the rooftops they were putting cotton on. Christmas and trees. one of the fun things that was in that um, movie was an ice rink. Yeah. And I had falsely assumed that they were going to get a real ice rink and have real ice. And in fact, it was all completely fake. So we wandered onto our set thinking, oh, this is cool. Look, someone's dressing up for Christmas, not realizing it's our movie. And so and we started to realize what a fun thing it is when Mm -hmm. it's like a circus when these movies Mm -hmm. come to town and and so many of these Christmas movies are, they're usually filmed in small towns because that's where the story takes place. Mm -hmm. And so we thought it's a, it's fun when this happens and what fun to create a story that was all around the making of one of these movies, which we'd observe so closely four different times. It's not fun watching actors melt in a Santa Claus costume. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's um, it'd be a tragedy if I was melting in the chair. You know, that's the difference. Comedy it happens to somebody else. So w- watching people dress up in winter clothes and it was like 80 degrees is just, uh, it's movie magic. <laughs> so that's where the idea came from. Though. Yeah. And we also knew, we know the world obviously of being a screenwriter and, and the struggles of trying to break in. And we've been to Sundance and a lot of what's in the book we've actually experienced most of what's in the book we've experienced ourselves and that's sort of how we came up with the concept and we pitched it to an agent she loved it and then we um, pitched it to source books and they love the idea as well yeah so we were very lucky we got to write the book 
without before we actually had to write. Well, we got to sell the book without having to write it. Exactly. Well, eventually yeah. we wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is unusual, but that really speaks to the strength of concept. And I lo- and the juxtaposition of the summer and the Christmas and the movie set and the real, again, it's just so fun. There's so many fun comedic games packed into that book. As I read extraordinarily well out loud, it was just a pure delight. I wanted to ask you about the characters in the book too, because I think you handle a really big cast superbly. Like it, um, to my mind, yes, you've got, you know, you can see the key players, but I felt like all the periphery characters were so well drawn as well. So I'm very curious as to um, any tips for writers who want to be able to do that. Oh, wow. Well, we sort of created them the way we would if we were writing a screenplay. Mm -hmm. And one thing we always do when writing a script is we try to make every character very distinctive Mm -hmm. and completely different from the other characters so that they're really set apart. And we try to give them each their own goals. Like they each want something. And then a lot of times they're diametrically opposed with their goals. So that creates humor. And it also makes them all stand out. Right. But they're, they're comic personalities kind of born out of what we see in other people, what we see in ourselves. You know, I'm kind of a little bit of a hothead sometimes. And uh, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, what am I? I don't know. <laughs> I can't know that one. Um, uh, the, the Griffin character was because we you know we've spent time around movie stars, and mm. when you spend time with movie stars and you, you see their world of how much um, people just uh, kind of put a camera in their face and I said, "Oh, that's interesting. What would that be like? What would that be like?" And then um, we saw. I remember being in Sundance and packs of uh, young girls running around the streets because they had rumors that One Direction was there. Harry Styles. <laughs> They were looking for Harry Styles. They were running everywhere. They like, what's going on? Harry's here. Oh, my God. Boy, he wasn't there. I'd look for hours. He was not there. Take off your put on direction shirt now. Yeah. It sounds like you've got super, super rich material to work with from everything that you've observed, which is mm-hmm. oh, phenomenal. And But you also, as you say, you've got that real screenwriter's eye for how to um, nail that down really specifically and really quickly. Um, which I really admire. So it, I can see a lot of the strengths of um, your sort of screenwriting prowess in the novel. I wondered though, if they're like on the flip side, if there was anything that surprised you or that you found super challenging. Because I'm also I'm, I read tons of screenwriting books, but I'm actually writing fiction myself. Okay. So were there any challenges uh, in writing your first novel that you weren't expecting or that you bumped up against? Oh, yeah. Definitely were. You know, there's a big difference when writing a 100-page screenplay and a 300-page book. So just the sheer... The book is three times as long. (laughs) 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 Excellent maths. (laughs) So just the sheer volume. And and so Mm -hmm. one thing we did to cope with that was we outlined extensively. Mm -hmm. And a term that we've recently learned from novelists is you're either, uh, I think, a pantser or... A prancer, a planter or a prancer. And the prancer are people, the, we're the planters. I think that's the word. And it's basically. I, I'm means, hearing this for the first time. No, no, no. We heard this. <laughs> time. We did. We did. And the, there's the planners, the people that like try to plan out everything in their book. Right. And that's very oh, much yes, what we do yes, in screenwriting. Yes. And then there's the prancers who just like, well, I'm just going to start writing and see where this no, goes. No, no. So when you're writing with a partner, you can't do that unless you want to sit down and write every chapter together, which we said, no, thank no, you. No. So what mm. we did was outlined heavily and, and that part was, that part was doable. But then once we got into writing the chapters, this is where we 
both of us did become a little bit of a prancer because yeah. we discovered things. Yeah. And I remember writing one chapter and suddenly creating a new character. And I had to call Keith over and say, like, mm, by the way, we created this new character of the caterer, JB. Yeah, He's going to have a love story. Right. And you need to continue that in your chapters because we figured out what everyone's writing. Right. And then you did the same thing. With, yeah, I can't um, remember which characters. but it, And then it knew it was going well. We both kind of added the same thing in different chapters. Like, oh, we need this beat. We need this beat. And we've done this so long together that it, it's, 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 it, it was learning new rules and then breaking new rules and uh, kind of figuring out a different writing style, you know, how to put the... That was the yeah, challenge uh -huh. because in screenwriting, you try to write really leanly yeah. because... You're the blueprint. You're the beginning. But then you're going to have a production designer that's going to come in. That's mm. going to figure out what are the textures of the room and the colors. And right. you don't have to include that. And likewise with the actors. So much of the actors, they're going to do the the emotions. And you don't need to put that into the writing. Sure. In fact, you would be insulting them if you did. Right. That would be considered overwriting. So with, those are the things we had to learn how to do, mm -hmm. which that was a challenge. So to, we to me, to. the two differences is very simple. Um, you have a father in the backyard, and he throws a, a baseball or any ball to his son. And in a novel, as the ball set, sailed in the air, he remembered the day his son was born, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And that was the day his wife stole all his money, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and that was the day his girlfriend left him also, right? And then about five <laughs> pages later, the ball finally hits the kid in the head. Right? That's what happens. In a movie, throw the ball, hit the kid in the head. All that other stuff is backstory. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because you can only write what you can see yeah. in a screenplay, mm -hmm. whereas you can't. In a, in a book, you've got to go way beyond that. So I think that was a challenge for us it's to good learn because how to do I, that. I think a lot of characters are their own worst enemies, especially in comedy. And so mm -hmm. you can really get into their uh, 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 rants. They're, they're, I'll, I'll call them mind rants. It used to be comic rants in a movie. But mm -hmm. when you get lost inside your own head, which I often do, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's hard to get out. And, and you can do that in a novel, yeah. which is really mm -hmm. fun. You can yeah. really get into the rant. Yeah. 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 But I, I really appreciated that. And I thought you did such a good job of doing that. Like I really felt the characters, I felt their like anticipation of things and their reaction to things and what they wanted. And I felt all those things, but it also still continued to be really propulsive. And um, because mm -hmm. when I do read books out loud, which I frequently do when my husband and I are on road trips or whatever, some novels really like they just can't stand up to being read out loud. Like you can't, mm -hmm. ma you can't manage five pages of baseball memories without my husband groaning and yawning. <laughs> Whereas your book was such a great balance of re as really caring and rooting for the characters, but also having that propulsion that you'd want in a movie. So I really appreciated that. And I thought you well, managed both brilliantly. Wow. Well, I'd you. love to work. I'd love to ask you about your co-writing process. Um, oh. I've, yeah, <laughs> I've only had, I've worked collaboratively in, in groups, but I've never yeah. <laughs> written um, extensively with one person. So I'd love to know, like, how, how you make it work for you. When the dog walks out of the room, we're getting mm. too intense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's a wimp. He leaves. He's not even here right we're now. We're doing banter. Um, <laughs> Wow, how can we do it? It's, I don't know. We don't argue as much as we used to. Well, you know, you know what really helps us um, 
Google Docs. Google Docs, <laughs> Google Docs was like the, the magic tool for, for us. Yeah. And we are both on our own laptops. We can both be on the same Google Doc. And when we were breaking the story, that's where we spend a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's always really fun because Keith can write something and then I hit backspace, backspace, backspace and like delete it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he can yeah. do the same thing to me. And I think that's been really helpful for us in terms of just breaking the story and and going in ahead of each other, coming back, catching up. We also use a giant whiteboard. Yeah. If we were in our office right now, you could see this huge whiteboard and we're There's able cards. to have index cards on it. We have magnet boards. We spend a lot of time breaking the so story do about, and talking out loud. Yeah, 40 beads. So the chapters in summer are longer than our next book. But um, that's where we came from, from carting out movies, writing movies, breaking the story. And we always do that together. Uh, scripts, we tended to write back and forth together mm-hmm. because it's an easier process. And uh, But I think you have to dig deeper when writing a novel. It, it would be impossible yeah. to write together. Yeah. I mean, to write hmm. on the same chapter together. Oh, yeah. And, and it's always really fun when I get to read Keith's chapters. And then so mm-hmm. what we do is we had yeah. this Excel document and we outlined who was going to do what chapter. So we had, I think, 40 chapters. We each did 20 and it was like every other, every other. So I would finish mine. He would finish his. We'd give each other ours. We'd edit yeah. each other's work. And then we would go on to the next chapter. Right. So that was really fun to do that. And our family, they were all joking. They, oh, yeah, they yeah. would tell us, I think I know who wrote what chapters. So wrong. And they were so wrong. <laughs> They're so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's the most fun. <laughs> they would just assume I couldn't write the guy stuff and Keith couldn't write the girl stuff. Yeah, but no. I've been raised by herds of women. I can write the, I can write the girl stuff. You can write the girl stuff. Once in a while, I get it right. <laughs> most of the time, wrong. No, but I mean, once in a while. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, and so do you we, have? Go ahead. Yeah. Do you have different writer strengths? Do you think that you identify, or, or have you been in the business long enough now that you've had to kind of round those out, and you both have like a full skill set? No, no. Keith is much funnier. Keith is okay, definitely much funnier. I was asking if you have and, yeah, different writer <laughs> I think, strengths. I think, yeah, do we have different strengths? So oh, yes, I think yeah. um, you're you're much funnier strength. And mm-hmm. I think I'm, I think I'm good with, I don't know, what am I good what at? What are you good with? Set, I don't know. Setting up the funny. <laughs> setting them up. I'm, I'm really good at setting up a joke and then mm. he takes it home. And a lot of times I, I know I'm doing that because I know he can just slam it home, which is, which is really great. And then I'm. Now, I'm now the pressure's on to say something funny. I know, I know, I know. Like you're <laughs> and, and I'm much more analytical and I like look through things the whole yeah. way through, but Keith's really good in, in the moment. I just. Uh, yeah. yeah, I just have a weird sense of how the world works. And I've tried to write other things. I've tried to write other genres. And what a mess that turns out to be. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm decent at kind of, uh, I just love comedy. I love mm-hmm. comedy movies. So this just have this kind of, uh, not Rolodex, this internet, this base in my head. of like, okay, oh, that's fine. That's fine. It was he, a lo- yeah. he would admit to me that when we would go into meet, because we lived in LA 20 years and we would do a lot of meetings and we would be in meetings and I would be paying attention. I'm a good, I'm a good student. Yeah. And I'd be paying attention to, you know, what we were talking about. And if we were breaking oh, yeah. a story or analyzing, they wanted to know what we thought of a certain book. And meanwhile, Keith would admit to me later that he was coming up with the joke in his head, that he knew he could check out because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was well, carrying that part of the meeting. But yeah. I also knew that he could bring the big laugh, yeah. which made us yeah, memorable. Yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's how we were always a good – that's why we are a good partnership. And we laugh yeah. a lot. 
That's that's fantastic. And enough that you're going to, or um, you're already partway through, or have finished your second book. Second book's yeah, done. Yeah. Done. Go get it. Yeah, go get it. She's gone. I do I'm all the work. She does nothing. She does. <laughs> no. I've been carrying ass for so long. Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> it's uh, we never intended to write together. Uh, I was going to write okay. a thriller. I was going to write thrillers. I had one option, and Julia was going to be a, a film studio executive. She's probably been running a studio now, buying my scripts. Mm. But now, and then she said, "I wanted to write a um, wanted to write something together." And I had Disney interested in that idea, and so we wound up writing that together. And then uh, that kind of got us an agent, and that got us a career going. And then, um, yeah, there it is. So Ta da! That's me. <laughs> travel with tinsel. Amazing. Can you give us any biographical? Yeah. And this is coming out uh, October 3rd. This is a dance reader's copy. Yeah. And uh, I love it because it says, what could be more magical than a Hollywood Christmas? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so this one's a lot of fun. And two of the characters migrate over to this book yeah. from, I wouldn't call it a sequel, but two mm. characters that we know and love. Yeah, but you, know, you don't Christmas. need to have read the first book. Like no, it, it, yeah. not, no you not, could jump not, right in. Yeah. It's just we got, if lazy. You have, we got lazy, didn't want to vent another character, yeah. so we just borrowed one from ourselves. But the main characters. <laughs> the main characters are new and kind of us. It's kind of based on a screenwriting team that broke apart and now have to come back together. Yeah. And mm. at one time uh, after our second daughter was born, uh, we decided to stop writing together. And mm. It got to be a lot. We were home with the kids. kids and and so I took an office yeah. outside the house. I wound up producing a movie called Cinderella Story with Hilary Duff in that time. And, and, and you know, it was, life was good. And then we had, I had a meeting with uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone. Talking about this big dramatic boot camp idea. Again, I'm not good at writing that stuff. And he must have sensed that. He goes, Well, I know you. I know you don't know me. He goes, Yeah, I read one of your scripts. And the script was well, a script Julie and I had written together. So next week I come back to the meeting with Stallone. He's like, No, I don't want to do that boot camp idea. I want to do that idea you wrote with Juliet. Dun, 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 dun. I got to get Juliet. Uh, where were you at the time? I think I was out hiking the mountains with like a mom's group, you know. Yeah. And so you have a meeting with Stallone tomorrow. So we go have this meeting. Uh, he loves the project, but he gets some other job instead. So that never happens. But like most things in my life, when I'm in a room alone, I'm okay. When I'm with Juliet, people like us a lot better. And the studio offers a two-picture deal from that. So. so I was pulled back in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It so this story like it. is about loosely based. There are some things that are loosely based on yeah. us, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we had the hang of writing a novel too. Yeah. By the time we did this one. Yeah. 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 And was there anything different from a cross perspective or that you'd gained from doing the first book that made it easier? Or was there conversely, was there anything that just made it trickier? Because sometimes people talk about the second pressure, like the pressure mm -hmm. of a second novel. How mm -hmm. did you find the process? Well, we were writing the second book before the first one had even come out. Right. So, oh, okay. So yeah. we didn't yeah. have to think about, you know, what people thought about it. We were just <laughs> writing along and and very happy about that. So I think it was easier to write the second one. And, and but then we did a bigger rewrite on it. And we really tried to put in all the extra feelings that you have in books right. and, mm -hmm. and more of the, the colors and the nuance. We so like, I think that's we like to think like, what parenting we got better each year. 
Mm, yeah. <laughs> the first five years, what a mess. But they seem to, <laughs> they seem to have recovered. Yeah, they won't remember. It's all good. Yeah, they won't remember yeah. it. So. No, I love yeah. that. And um, do you, would you, like, when you're writing it, do you have in mind then turning it into a movie or are you just purely thinking of it as a book? And, like, for example, did you end up casting it in your head with who you'd like to play it? Well, we had an idea of turning Summer of Christmas into a movie. But yeah. then when no one wanted to at the moment, <laughs> we just took it as a book. Yeah. <laughs> sure. You uh, know, I, I, I to, know. Answer, to answer your question, though, I would say no. When we're writing the book, yeah. we're purely thinking mm-hmm. about the book. Yeah. And we're not even thinking about how could this be a movie or who we cast in it. It's kind of more mm-hmm. liberating that way because we have such a yeah. – you know, we're, still, we're still writing – you know, Christmas movies. We're still writing screenplays. Mm-hmm. screenplays so yeah. when we write the screenplay, we're very much thinking about who could be in the movie. Right. Obviously, because it's a script. Yeah. But so, but not with the book. And I think that was healthy and it was it was mm-hmm. really good for us. Yeah, that was a nice um, uh, new recognition. Because we always thought mm-hmm. like, oh, we'll write a book, sell the IP, write the script. But now it's like, mm. well, the book's the book. Mm-hmm. We like the book for being the book. And if it sells later in a couple of years, you know, it seems like books either sell right away. uh, They sell to like a movie company, Mm -hmm. but even when they do, if they get optioned, they can still languish for years and years and years Mm -hmm. before it gets made. And very few books go right from coming out to getting made the next year. So it's, uh, that's no longer our ambition. Mm -hmm. Uh, We like Mm -hmm. writing the books and we like writing the movies. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And what do you think people underestimate uh, about the skill it takes to write a Christmas movie or to write a rom-com? Because I have so many different conversations with different people. And sometimes I get the impression that people think like pop songs, that it's easier or it um, doesn't take the same level of skill. Whereas my own personal opinion is that whatever genre you're writing in, whether that's thriller, horror, Mm -hmm. rom-com, it all requires the same level of skill, the same as it takes massive skill to write a pop song, massive skill to write a country song. What do you think people underestimate about writing Christmas movies or rom-coms? I think everyone, because they can be kind of fun and light, people assume Mm -hmm. that they're they're hard to write. But Mm -hmm. there's a lot of skill to it and there's a lot of layering and you've got to set your characters up you've got to have plants and payoffs i think it's just as hard in some ways it's harder to write a christmas movie because there are already so many cliches and tropes Mm. and how do you push beyond that Mm -hmm. how do you make it fresh whereas well i guess thrillers still have tropes too but um but i think i think that is the the challenge and i think people assume it's easy but it but it's not just like Mm -hmm. any good screenplay it's going to take 10 15 drafts. Right. It, it, it takes away. You got to do the work. Uh, and then you have your, you know, our role models, like we were writing movies, you know, uh, Nora Ephron, uh, James mm-hmm. Brooks. And for novels, I, I've been a Nick Hornby fan since I read my first Nick Hornby novel. So I love Hornby and I, and I love Tom Parada and I love um, uh, Jonathan Trooper. Yeah. Mm. He's bringing up a good point, though. Whatever you're writing, you need to read a lot of that genre. So when we're writing screenplays, especially when we were breaking in, we, and this was pre-internet, we would go to the library and we would just read screenplays. Not just the library, the Margaret Herrick Library in Beverly Beverly Hills, Hills. which has all drafts of all screenplays. It's Mm. really fascinating. Hard copies. And, And we always tell students, if nothing's going in, nothing's coming out. And ever since we started writing novels, we started reading a lot in the genre mm-hmm. in which we're writing. And that's become mm-hmm. very, very helpful. Yeah, trying to figure out how it works. Yeah. And if I could recommend to anyone 
how to become a better writer, I would say to to listen to books like what you're doing. Because I think when you listen to the book, the, the audio books, you can you can hear it and you hear the cadences and you can't rush it. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. jump ahead. You're forced to listen to every word and you can you start to understand what it is you need to do in terms of how to put words to paper. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helped a lot. And but definitely with screenplays, I tell students and I used to do this, I would read 10 pages of a screenplay each day before I would sit down to write because it gets mm-hmm. you in that the, the proper headspace. Mm-hmm. Writing mm-hmm. a screenplay is very different from writing a novel. Right. And mm-hmm. and so that's important to do. And most people have have read novels, but they haven't read screenplays. Right. It's not mm-hmm. it's, right. it's not the form. It's like reading yeah. the back of the book and not reading the book. Yeah. yeah. And now we're just reading. We're both reading a lot of books. Yeah. Or, or I'm listening to them. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I love actually in um, writing the comedy blockbuster that the first section takes us through kind of that history of comedy yeah. with loads of film recommendations to oh, I watch. That. Yeah, um, I, which I found it. extremely helpful because I um, haven't been lucky enough to like study your courses with you and have that kind of education. So it was really great for me to go on that tour and have right. this, there were so many movies that I hadn't seen because no. like you kind of watch the movies in the area you grew up with, or I watch, you know, the things that are streaming now that I really enjoy, but for giving me that kind of overview of where things came from and how the decades worked and what things linked to, that was super helpful yeah. too. So I highly well, recommend is always checking so, it out. Um, reflective of the zeitgeist of what's going on. Mm, yeah. Uh, but I don't think I realized that quite so much until I read read those chapters, actually. Looking back, I was like, that makes so much sense why those were the kind of comedies in the 80s, the 90s. I didn't mm. think I'd quite put it together until I read your book that way. Yeah, my, I, my parents got married and went to a movie. They love movies. <laughs> they went to a Love is a Many Splendid Thing. And so growing up, uh, that was it. That was our church movies. Like, oh, it's playing. And I remember, I don't remember, I remember seeing everything. It was like, but the comedies, I always, always loved the comedies. I remember, uh, what was it? Neil Simon's Goodbye Girl. It was one of my favorite mm. movies of all time. And it's kind of like, oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. I like that kind of tone. I like, I like, I don't know. Well, it's a sad place sometimes. I just, if I can help mm. make people smile for, five minutes like the one joke i'll be happy mm-hmm. yeah and that's how we feel about writing the christmas movies because mm. christmas is a stressful time of year or mm. i should just say the whole holiday season yeah. and these movies help to lighten people's loads which mm. is a really nice thing mm. it is oh i, I feel <laughs> all happy inside at the same time thinking about that kind of feeling it's uh, it's lovely and i really and i think it takes a lot of skill to be able to kind of generate those uh, feelings and i think it's such a gift to give to audiences like you say i hadn't put it together with how stressful christmas can be and what a pleasure yeah. it is and sometimes that's the movie that brings people together to watch together uh, as whatever combination of family there might be so I really love that. I wanted to ask a couple of things um, from the book, Keith, but that I'm sure, Juliet, you, you've also incorporated into um, the way that you approach the writing as well, which is the inappropriate goal, Yeah. which I just think is such a great shorthand. And it's, I it's, found it's, it so helpful, no matter what I'm writing and comedy, to think about that. So I, wouldn't, I wondered if you wouldn't mind letting us into uh, that concept a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I remember when, when I was teaching a lot of comedy and comedy writing in L.A., I just kind of came up like everything. I just said one day, you start thinking about every comedy has some inappropriate goal. 
you know, getting drunk to get girls, doing this, doing that. It's just yeah, renting out your Billy Wallace's apartment, you know, Jack Lemon renting out the apartment so he can get ahead. It's just wrong. It's an inappropriate goal. And just kind of always not made me laugh. And look, and then I, you know, studied a lot of writing. I said, big Neil Simon fan reading about that. But just, you know, studying all the books on comedy, uh, the comic toolbox and stuff like that. But the inappropriate goal always seemed to kind of just stick in my mind because the you always go on characters go on journeys and so it's the mm. comedic hero's journey and it's just like we shouldn't be going for this yeah and what i remember when you were working on the book you were pointing out that it, it always seemed to happen in r-rated comedies it happens all over but yeah, yeah. mostly r-rated comedies R-rated. but it does happen you know uh, i'm trying to think about i know i'm trying to think of a pg uh, no what's what's the <laughs> The Daddy's Home, Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell, mm. like, you know, two guys fighting over a shared custody, whatever they're doing, who can be a better parent. That's just silly. Yeah. But it's it's funny. Mm-hmm. And funny is money. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's a great way of um, putting your finger on something that is specific to comedy um, mm-hmm. And how it differentiates it, because again, there's some really fantastic screenplay books out there. But I think a lot are written with a quite a strong drama focus. Um, so when they talk about stakes and talk about the goal, often it is like the primal goal of life and death, or this and that. Whereas actually, like right, in right. comedy, that's not like if you raise the stakes too high in certain areas, it stops being funny. So I love the oh, sense yeah. of like what is inappropriate. So I think you put your finger on something really smart there. I yeah. find it really helpful. Yeah, you just have to make sure that. It's hard to absolutely right because the stakes aren't as high. It's no mm. no bombs going off, no buildings mm. going there. But for the the people involved, mm. it's the most important moment of their life, right? Exactly. And, and a lot of things uh, uh, we tried together. It's like what's relatable? What has everyone mm. been through? And uh, you know, one of our most successful scripts, which never got made, was about a guy who got jilted at the altar. And he, 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 it's called Beer Boy. And he just went yeah. out for, for revenge. And at the end, you get, it, it doesn't work. You can't be angry. You have to yeah. let it go. And that was the whole point of that. So we try to have a little kind of message in there in that sense. Which is why wedding movies work so well, as you were saying, relatable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People aging. Having kids, yeah. those things. Just, yeah. just, just the doubts about you know getting married, especially now. Is this the one? Is this should I do this? Remember, start of marriages were big. Those were big for a while. <laughs> yeah. The two thousands. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And in the book, you um, also talk about inappropriate behavior and inappropriate dialogue, as well as other areas to be zooming in on in comedy, which I love. So I wanted to ask you about um, your approaches to dialogue, and either one of you feel free to take this, because what I also really loved in the book is that it's not just the... um, the sort of smart, sassy comment that makes things funny, that it, there is like lots of sharp dialogue, but there were so many um, great like approaches to dialogue, which I really appreciated. Because I think uh, also sometimes I think when people are like, we need to put some comedy in this book, the first thing that they go to is like a sarcastic comment or a, a witty comeback. Right, but you've right. got a much broader range of uh, comedic approaches to dialogue. I just wondered if you could speak to any of those, how you think about it. I should have Not an easy book. question, I know. <laughs> One of us should have read my book. Well, you know, <laughs> we tend to read stuff out loud too yeah. when we're mm. when we're writing, and we will take the different parts, and that's where mm. we can a lot of times hear if it's not working. And mm. in terms of writing this book, I think we were 
it was so fun to be able to write the dialogue back and forth, back and forth. Right. It was very much like a screenplay. So Every, everything comes out of character. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you have to have unity of opposites. You can't have the same characters. You have to, like uh, any sitcom, you have to have everyone have an elementary friends, different types of people saying things different ways, bumping into each other. Uh, in terms of dialogue, it's always tough. Like, do you go for the joke? Or That's do what you she's saying. We did well. Yeah. We didn't go for the joke yeah. always. In the book. And, right, went for the heart. And we try to use a lot of subtext. So we try to have characters mm-hmm. not saying what they really think. And that mm-hmm. can be funny too. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we did. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think that that's it's, exactly it's hard. It. But if you okay, so if, here's how to write funny. It's kind of <laughs> what you, it's what you want to say. <laughs> Everyone, sit up and listen. It's, 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 it's like what you want to say ten minutes after the bad mm. day. It's the exit line you wish you had thought of. <laughs> yeah, that goes in the script. Yeah, that's great. If you, if we that. and we always outline what's going to happen first so we know we don't mm, rush mm. to dialogue i would say that the action comes first and then mm. we figure out what the Hold dialogue on. is All right. what's that i don't know you, I, everline used to be one of those guys lost his edge uh are you guys not talking we're talking we're not listening right. <laughs> <laughs> so that was today was <laughs> it? Out of real life. that came out of real life and so all, yeah we are Bickering yeah. about something, and I said, "Oh, that's a good line." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that is a good line. I love it. Yeah, we have no problem talking; we just have a problem listening. <laughs> yeah, and it, it makes sense to me that um, you benefit so much from figuring out what's happening first, because again, then I think the dialogue is um, doing like its best job in the sense of letting us into that subtext or letting us into those characters or creating those moments, but you're not like leaning all over the dialogue to let us know what's happening. And I, I think you did a, a spectacular job um, yeah. visually and physically with the comedy too. Like there's, I don't want to give too much away, but there's an amazing karaoke scene that you have to love read that. in the book. We love, love that, scene. that scene. Isn't it so good? We can see that scene. Like, yeah. That's a trailer scene. I that's a visual scene. Mm-hmm. We had a, um, a script, the first script we wrote together, which later was filmed like 14 years later. But we handed it to a producer, Gary Foster, who produced Sleep in Seattle and later Community for the younger people here. And he said, <laughs> great script. What are the trailer scenes? Mm. Said, What's yeah. a trailer scene? He goes, don't you lie in bed and think about your movie's trailer playing in the theater? And he goes, no, no. you should. <laughs> and so that karaoke Christmas scene was our trailer mm. scene for the book. We wanted mm. it. Yeah, was, that's so much fun. And everybody wanted something different and they were at such odds at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. To find the right song. It was perfect. Yeah. And what I was really impressed with and really taking notes is how you managed to convey the physical comedy so well in prose. Because mm-hmm. I think that's tough, honestly, <laughs> to keep yeah. um, that balance of being able to visualize a scene with, I mean, stating the obvious, but just with so many people on the page where you're not able to kind of direct the camera and know that someone's going to shoot that for you. Like you have to do all the work so it translates to our heads. Like mm-hmm. you did that so well. I was super impressed. Well, thank really you. Fun scene. Yeah, each paragraph or each sentence, sometimes it's a different shot. And so yeah. okay, well, that's what our camera directions mm-hmm. are subtle. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, I think coming out of screenwriting, especially this book, our first one, we were very much writing yeah, it like a script in yeah. some ways. And especially one thing we like to do at the end of each chapter, too, was we would have like not a cliffhanger, but like a little button, a button no, or a little like mm. twist. Where's it going next? 
a, a no, it's a it would be called like a, a, a an act board? out. If an it was a TV out. show, it'd be an act out. You know, mm. kind of a twist, and then oh, now we've got to go to the next chapter and see what happens next. Almost like we cut to commercial. Yeah, that's yeah. how we saw it. I really felt that in the pacing. And again, I, I was super impressed with you, how you handled the pacing because I don't think it's easy to have that sense that like my husband and I were like tearing through it, like we had to know what happened next. But it's also so well grounded. It's not at the expense of the characters. You still really feel the characters. And there are those quieter scenes too where you really feel for Ivy and feel for Nick and are rooting for them. So um, really well done. I loved it. So I just got a couple more questions um, before we wrap up. So um, I've got a little, I've got a little, I got to hear a few sneak peeks from Keith earlier about kinds of things that you're enjoying reading and watching. Juliet, what are you enjoying at the moment, comedically, reading or watching? Thank you so much for asking. I've been reading a lot of romance. Jasmine Gilroy, love her books. I'm also mm-hmm. reading. I'm, I'm reading any kind of romance I can get my hands on because I'm fascinated mm. to see how the story plays out without getting to what they call spicy. Mm. I'm mm. not going to go there, but I'm, I'm really curious to see how people get the feelings across and like the, mm. you know, all the descriptions of exactly what's going on in their heads and things like that. So what right. am I listening to? Oh, but then also I'm reading some dark stuff too. I just read Dear Edward, which is about the boy who survived a plane crash alone. And, and so sometimes I like to take my foot off the pedal and not mm. always read in the genre sure. in which I'm writing, mm-hmm. but something completely different. Right. So just read that. I'm trying to think what great. Oh, just read The Late Comer by Jean Half Coralettes, which is more of a drama, but very character based. Mm-hmm. And mm. she is brilliant at weaving together all these different characters. And, mm-hmm. and one thing that she does so well is having this big surprise at the end. And I think that's something that is always a challenge when you're writing comedy because people mm. assume that they're going to get together in the end you assume the problem is right. going to be solved but how do you add that extra punch that extra zinger twist, yeah. and twist at the ending where people will think oh my god i didn't see that coming, that coming. Yeah. and so i've been reading books that do that well to sort of yeah. help me think about it and the thing i love about reading books is as i'm reading them i'm always thinking or listening to them i should say i'm always thinking about like oh how is that going to help me with my current mm. book that I'm working on now. But if it's a yeah. really good book, you just get lost in it. I do. Of course yeah, I do. But but I'm saying, for, yeah. but I still am always thinking, or I'll pause it and think, okay, I've, there's a note. That's how I can fix that chapter. Mm. Yeah. I love that. And um, I would say the same of um, the summer of Christmas as well is because I, um, I think some people enjoy rom-coms for the kind of safety of knowing that, of course, it's that couple and they're going to get together. But there were so many points in your book, actually, where we paused it and my husband and I were discussing it and be like, is it going to turn out like this? Is it going to turn out like this? And I had a secret theory that I didn't share with him. So to the point being that actually right up until the end, um, there was still lots of tension yeah. and even, and like how you twisted the end too, like it, it really kept my attention. Um, more than just like the comfort of knowing that they will get together. Um, like uh, who knows if they get together? I'm not going to spoil it for readers. You'll have to read and find out yourself. That's right. So, yes. Definitely. Um, I'd love we, to. We try to make Drew really viable. Right. The, the other yes. man. Mm-hmm. And, and he was the Bellamy character. Yeah, Bellamy, yeah. He's a yeah. very viable guy. So, yeah. And, and, yes, and Griffin for a while as well. I was like, mm, okay. Oh, like, yeah. and this, and, yeah. Yeah. That would have been a good twist. Yeah. That just yeah, kind of, so. that, that just, you know, we're writing that scene like, well, that makes sense. That works for mm. us. Yeah. 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 
And um, the last thing I'm about to say about that as well is I, and again, I would like was chatting to my husband as I was reading it, is that I really loved that all the characters were really three-dimensional because yes, like we've, we've got the main characters, but there was humanity in all of them. So I, it was, I thought it was great. I didn't feel like anyone was dismissed as, oh, they're just the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the guy who this, they're just a, like, actually with all of the characters, there was something in all of them that made me kind of root for them too. So even if it had switched a different way, that's why I couldn't write them off. Cause I was like, but they're not all bad. They've got this, maybe this. So I thought making them really three-dimensional, you make everyone um, really viable in terms of different relationships that could happen. Whereas sometimes when yeah. it's drawn so broadly, we don't get that. Cause we're like, oh no, it's obvious. She can't see it yet or he can't see it yet, but we all know. I didn't have that sense. I felt everyone was real, like there was humanity to everybody, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Thank that's you. That's great. Thank you. Thank and we you. love it that it's in a, uh, movies uh, shoots are compressed at a time. It's like a TV mm. show everyone meets each week. This is like 25 days. You're everyone in. becomes a family. Relationships yeah. happen. And yes. then everything blows up. And then so, it's over. Yeah. yeah. So yes. we love that. And and we've, we've done a lot of meetings with different book groups and I want to say book talks and things. And everyone seems to like different characters. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. like everyone mm-hmm. loves the main character. Some people mm-hmm. really yeah. like the second chance romance characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I love That's movies. Up, I love movies and movies, and love books about movies. Just love movies. <laughs> so, yeah, so I can tell, and that yeah. that comes through uh, in such a lovely way, which I really admire. Mm-hmm. So, I'd love to just wrap up with advice. Whether there's any advice that you've been given at any point that you found helpful, or uh, find yourself coming back to and applying. Uh, read mm. books or screenplays. Watch and write. Mm, yeah. Every day, every day, every day, even when you don't want to, because that's the difference, I think. Yeah, and you sit down, and you don't want to sit down, and this is awful. And that was, and then, and then something sparks, and suddenly it's a good day. Yeah. Mm. And my advice would be that writing, rewriting is writing, writing is mm. rewriting. And that's very true in screenwriting, but it's also true mm-hmm. in any kind of novel writing. And I think sometimes people put pressure on themselves to create perfection right. when they first start to, you know, type fade right, in right. or type, you know, the beginning. Perfect. And that's not going to happen because at the end, almost every word is going to be either rewritten or moved around or there, nothing's going to stay exactly the mm-hmm. same. And so if you know that it's really freeing because you've just got to get something on the page so that then you can go back and rewrite it. Right. And some writers will say, especially for fiction writers will say that, you will spend an equal amount of time rewriting as you do writing. But I think every new writer has to remember that perfect is the enemy of good. Mm. You try to be perfect, you're not going to be good. And it's better to be good and get it down, get the structure, get the characters, find out. Because along the way, even though we've carved things out, it's like taking a road trip. You know you want to get A to B, but along the way, you're going to stop and see C, D, E, and F. Or something might yeah. be closed right. and right. something suddenly, they don't have room at the end. Right. right? Or you'll learn that things don't work once you get into the story itself. But it helps the story. And that's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that's brilliant. Yeah. The other no, that's... Thing... Oh, go ahead. Okay. Sorry. No, if, you, if you've got something to add, you go. I was rewriting. <laughs> no, I was just trying to remember. So I was rewriting. I'll go ahead. 
I, I, you're on your own here. You, you, you set yourself <laughs> up for this one. <laughs> I did. No, I was thinking about the other thing besides rewriting is is getting in there. Crying. Oh, I know what it is. It's I know what it is. Drinking and crying. No, no, no. <laughs> I got it. Keith, I want to tag team to what Keith was saying about make sure that you you write every day. But to that end, hmm. we have a really good trick that we've learned from other writers, which is that sit down and write for one hour a day. Because a lot of times mm. writers think, well, I don't have eight hours. I right. don't have four hours. I'll just, I won't do it today. I can't. But if you think about it in terms of small compartments, like you do, if you do a half hour a day, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. one hour is a great amount. And you sit down and you set a timer for yourself. You clear your slate. You don't check your email. You don't get a snack. You mm. get yourself all set up. If you write for one hour and then when the hour's done, you'll have something. Yeah. And maybe the first 10 minutes of the hour are just crap. You don't care, remember, because mm-hmm. you're going to rewrite it anyway. And I think if you do that, you get one hour every day, you will have a book. Yeah, People say you can write a book in a year if you just sit down and write every day. Yeah. Uh, no, and we, screenplay, uh, you can do it in six months. Well, we we card it. We usually card everything out. And it used to be, you know, card a day and then you can go play. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that card. But the truth <laughs> is, once you've written for an hour, a lot of times you want to keep writing. Because right. mm-hmm. then the hardest part was to get there. And now you're in it and it's really fun. And the other thing is, um, if you think you hate your first draft, you're not alone. Right? Everyone hates their first draft. Everyone, why am I doing this? And then it's only, okay, maybe I like this. Maybe, and then you start, you know, uh, getting into it a little more. But in the beginning, it's just like, you got to get past that, that stage. Wonderful. Thank you. That's really helpful, sage advice from two total pros. So I really appreciate it. So finally, where can, (laughs) for those who aren't watching the video, Keith's looking behind him. (laughs) Where's the dog? Oh yeah, maybe. Okay. Um, If people want to find out more about you and your work, where should we point them to? And I will also put these links in the show notes. Oh, We'd okay. love to have you go to our website, yes. which is our initials and our last name, jkglio.com. Yep. Or if you want to actually reach out to us and chat with us, you could message me on Instagram. Right. And my message is at Juliet A. Giglio. If you message me on Instagram, you have to kind of put something about the Knicks or the Mets, New York sports, <laughs> so uh, it'll grab my attention. Okay, <laughs> so, good. I will really do that next Social time. media. I just, I, I, I would misspell everything. It would be really okay. bad. <laughs> no problem. You're too busy doing other things. So yes, I'd be. Well, okay. Wonderful. Thanks. What are they? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, your questions have been wonderful. Yeah, Thank you. So insightful. You're so and, welcome. And we so appreciate that you read the book and that you enjoyed it. Yeah. I did. Go read it, everybody. I'll also um, definitely make sure yeah, that pre-order that. this book now. It's a pre-order. Juliet's holding up The Trouble with Tinsel. Uh, in the shot which is a great title i love it and also read the summer of christmas which is the one that i've read and i'll be buying the new one when it comes out in october which i'm thrilled about so thank Thank you so much i really appreciate your time thank Thank you you. good luck with your writing good luck with the show it's great thank you thank you